All right. Hello, hello. Yes. Good to see everybody. Everybody around here at Orland uh, this weekend. Everybody out in Homer Glen. Uh, we love you guys. Uh, everybody in New Lenox. We are also very fond of you. Uh, love you guys. Everybody online, Facebook Live. Glad that you've made the choice to be around here. As we are uh, wrapping up this summer at Parkview. And uh, I want you to know before we dive into a time of study today and teaching and wrapping up this summer and heading into the fall, uh, I know uh, that my heart is really uh, heavy and pretty somber in a lot of ways, maybe many of yours as well, as we think about a lot of the events that have happened over the course of the last 24 hours in El Paso and in Dayton and the shootings that have happened. And uh, I just want you to know that as we wrap up services today on all of our campuses all around Chicagoland, we're going to have some time of extra prayer and thinking about and sending our love, our hope, our support, and things like that to those folks. Uh, it's, it's a strange, different uh, world that we're living in, isn't it? And uh, we need to add our love and heart to them. So I just want you to know that I'm thinking about them, and I think <clears throat> you are as well. Uh, as I think about that and I think about the world we live in, it really kind of goes into some of what we're going to talk about this weekend as, as I think about our world and how it's changing just so rapidly and how we don't always talk about how it's changing. We're just kind of left to figure it out on our own uh, as individuals and as families <clears throat> and how do we continue to live and thrive in our faith even in a world that's changing, especially with technology so rapidly. In fact, like with my phone, I don't know if your phone's done this, but just over the course of the last few months, I don't know when it happened, but my phone went from like the 4G to the 5G thing. Like I got no more, I got no more 4G connectivity. I've got 5Gs now. And, and I, I honestly, I don't even know what the Gs are. I'm, I'm assuming that the extra G is good um, <clears throat> for me and for you, but I don't know. I, I don't know what it's all about, but my whole kind of thing that's been the catalyst for this study this weekend and putting this together is that I think a lot of times um, in this constantly connected world we live in, we still need to figure out how to live in it and not just survive with our faith, but actually thrive and grow individually and as families. And so that's what I want us to spend some time on today as we head into a new season and semester. It's a different world that we're living in. In fact, take a look at what Peter Drucker <clears throat> says about this. Every few hundred years, in Western history, there occurs a sharp transformation. And within a few short decades, society rearranges itself. Its worldviews, its basic values, its social and political structures, its arts and key institutions. Fifty years later, there's a new world. And the people born then cannot even imagine the world in which their grandparents lived and to which their own parents were born. We are currently living through just such a transformation. We're in a unique season uh, of the world and in our lives, no matter what age and stage of life you're at. And what I want to do today is I want the Bible, I want God's Word to be our guide. I want us to have wisdom from God's Word, but I want to mix some theology and some technology. I want to mix up some theology and technology and how we can thrive in our faith even in the midst of this world. I want to spend some time talking about today what author Leonard Sweet calls the new TGIF culture that we're living in. And of course, TGIF stands for Twitter, Google, Instagram, and Facebook, right? That's the world that we're living in uh, these days. It's just the way it is, and it's changing so rapidly. Take a look at some of these things. Did you know a weekend issue of the Chicago Tribune paper carries more information in just that one weekend paper than a person in the 17th century would have digested in a lifetime? 
We have so much information coming at us. Or what about this? Four million cell phones sold today. Every single day, there's four million cell phones sold. The connectivity of our world is just unbelievable. Or what about this? A third of all couples who get married this year will meet first online. They'll get to know each other or reconnect online. A third of all couples. Or I think this is an interesting contrast of pictures. This is people waiting to see the Pope in this big, long waiting room in 2004. People just kind of waiting, you know, pretty easy, not a lot of technology or cell phones. Look at this one decade later, same people waiting here. <laughs> all the cell phones waiting to see the Pope, waiting to, you know, we, I think we do that with concerts and all sorts of things like that. Just a decade later, the way we process information and experience things has totally changed. And, and it's not always for the good either, right? It's believed that because of technology, largely, that the pornography industry has grown in the last few years to be a $30 billion to $90 billion a year industry. And we're not sure. It's somewhere in between there, but experts say it's 30 to $90 billion. If that is true, that means the pornography industry is bigger every year in revenues than Major League Baseball, the NHL, the NBA, uh, the, the NFL, all of those combined every year in their revenues. 67% of students, of teenagers, admit to having erased the history files on their devices so people can't track where they've been. Any person who has a cell phone, most all of us probably have a cell phone, the average person checks their cell phone every five to eight minutes. Every five to eight minutes that we're waking, we're pulling it out, we're checking to see what's going on, what are they doing, what are they doing, we're connecting people. A lot of times we're looking for what? We're looking for likes. We like likes, right? I like likes. I mean, we're looking for likes. Likes can be intoxicating, right? Sometimes we live our life for likes, and we're constantly looking for likes, and, and we want to know what they like, and do they like what I like, and we're, we just feel like we're connected to all kinds of people a lot of times. But check this out. We're as connected as ever, but often we're as lonely as ever. We have all these people we feel like we know, but we also a lot of times feel very lonely inside. And technology has truly become a trap for so many individuals and for so many families. And so what I really felt that we needed to do this weekend is talk about some of these things that we don't usually talk about in church and give some guidance to individuals and families, students, on how we can not just survive in this constantly connected world, but how we can actually grow in our faith and grow deeper in our understanding of God and share the message of Jesus with the world. So that's where we're going to head. In this message, in our study today, there's going to be five G's, like 5G connectivity. That's how I put it together, five G's. So if you want to write down, keep notes, here's the first two G's in our message. These are the two groups of people that populate our world. They populate our city. This church, our homes, these are the two groups of people, the first two G's. They are Gutenbergers and Googlers. Gutenbergers comes from, you know, the Gutenberg press, the, the printing press from years and years and years and years ago, and Googlers obviously comes from Google and this, this new world that we live in. Now, if you uh, are maybe 45 years and older, you are probably by birth a Gutenberger, okay? You just are, you're an immigrant into this new 
social media world and culture. If you're 40 years and younger, you're probably a Googler. Uh, you are a native by birth. This is just the way it's always been for you in this world. But here's what I want us to realize. I think you probably already get this. These two groups of people are very different. Okay? We do things differently, we think differently, we interact differently. Here's just a few things about them. Gutenbergers prefer print on a page. Googlers prefer pixels on a screen, right? A book versus like a phone. Gutenbergers hear the word text and they think it's a noun. Googlers hear the word text and they know it's a verb, right? I'm going to text you, right? It's just very, very different. Gutenbergers hear the word contacts and it refers to the lenses that you wear in your eyes. Googlers hear the word contact and it refers to the connections you've made and things like that on your phone or your smartphone, your iPad, that sort of thing. Gutenbergers hear the word apple and they think of a fruit. Googlers hear the word apple and they know that's obviously a company, right? Just again, very, very different. This one's so interesting. Gutenbergers loved cars because it signified their independence. They can talk all about cars, the make and model of cars, their first cars, things like that. Googlers, they love cell phones because it signified their independence, it's just, it's just kind of the way it is. And for me, I was, I was barely born into a Gutenberger world, and I have a huge affection for Googlers because I'm trying to raise a couple of them. Uh, pray for me, right? Uh, you guys, many of you doing, doing the same thing. And, and part of the tension a lot of times in our world and in our homes is that Gutenbergers and Googlers, we see things, the generations see things so differently, and especially even when it comes to faith. And how we process God's Word and the Bible and that sort of thing. And, and I spend so much of my time talking with families, with students, with parents about the world and about faith and about God's Word. And, and I think it, there's a lot of tension in that. And so I, I want to help alleviate maybe some of that if I can. Just let me share one you know, example of a conversation that might be helpful for us this weekend. Uh, a while back... I'm talking with a family, uh, a mom specifically. Their family had just been on vacation, and uh, they're a family that was always in church, and, but on vacation, they weren't at their home church, so they decided to just have church in their hotel room. Maybe you've done that. Hey, we're not going to go. We're just going to have church in our hotel room. They had several kids, and so they're having church in their hotel room. And they find out during church in the hotel room that their son, who's a senior in high school, as, as they're opening up their Bibles and they're getting ready to have their family church, their son doesn't know where to turn in the Bible to find the section of Scripture that they're going to study. He, he doesn't know where to, where to turn the page, where, where the, he doesn't have it memorized in the books and things like that, and he can't get there. And, and the mom, later on after this, gets with me, and she is devastated. She thinks, you know, that they, their family has failed their son, not helping him understand that. The church has failed him. And here, here's her words to me. She says, Todd, my son, he's just so shallow. He's just shallow. That's what he is, just shallow. Doesn't understand where to go. And, and, and so I start talking about that, and I start getting into that conversation uh, with her. And, and, and here's what I want us to realize, church. I want us to realize that, that Gutenbergers... People who are 45 and up, oftentimes you, you had to know where to turn a page to find something in the Bible. You, you had to know where to turn and where to flip to. Googlers, the younger generation, a lot of our students, they've never had to turn a page. They don't turn to find something. They type to find something. They just type it into their phone, right? And, and then they can find and discover where they're supposed to be. So, so they, it's true. Many Googlers, many of our students may never memorize the books of the Bible, in order. 
And I know for some of us that that may, that may be a difficult thing. They may never memorize the books of the Bible in order. They may not know where to turn a page to find that thing. But does that make them shallow? Does that make them a shallow person? I, I don't think so. I don't think it does. In fact, I would say to you, isn't the main thing what we do with the verse once we locate it, not how we locate it? Now take a look at this in the Bible in Psalm 119. David says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Many of you probably know that. You've seen that. You've read that in the Bible or seen it on a poster or something like that. Notice what David doesn't say. David doesn't say, so I opened my black or brown leather-bound Bible. I looked up the passage. I found your word, and I hid it in my heart so that I might not sin against you. He doesn't say that. Do you realize that David never memorized the books of the Bible? Right? Because he didn't have the Bible that we have. Right? He didn't do that. And, and so, so I would just say to you that, that it's not so much how you find it, it's what you do with it once you find it. And, and check this out. For, for thousands of years, people accessed God's Word and put God's Word into their lives through scrolls. It was, it was just a different way to do it. For the last several hundred years, we've moved from scrolls to a leather-bound Bible that most of us carry around with us. Now, today, and probably into the future, it's a smartphone or a tablet or, or something like that. And here's what I would say. It's not so much how you locate the passage. It's what you do with it once you locate it. Do you put it in your heart? Does it change the way you live? Gutenbergers and Googlers access information in very different ways. And sometimes that can get us all sideways in our faith. But I don't think it should. It's just a different way of putting God's word into our heart. Here's another thing that both groups, all of us, are going to need if we're going to just thrive in this world that's constantly connected. That is this. We're going to need some guardrails. Everybody say guardrails. Guardrails. This is our third G. Good guardrails will bring freedom and safety to your family. No doubt about it. And, and I just want to share with you a, a couple of the guardrails that I have in, in our family, and, and you can take these, adopt these, copy them, make them your own, tweak them. We've adopted these from other people and that sort of thing. But here's some guardrails that will help all of us, young and old, thrive in this socially connected world. The first one is this. Check the tech. Check the tech. I'm going to say something here in just a moment that um, will be very difficult for Googlers to accept. And it's going to be very difficult for Gutenbergers to enforce. And, and that is this. Students, you do not own your phone. You do not own your phone. I know you carry it around with you. You have it at school. You have it at work. You have it at restaurants. You have it when you're in your car, all that sort of thing. But your phone is not private property. I think there's this, there's this thought in so many families, and we don't talk about this a lot around church. We're just left to figure this out all on our own. There's this thought that as soon as we give one of our students technology or something like that, that automatically it's private, their own private property. And I'm just saying to you, parents, that, can just, that cannot be the case. And what I'm saying is you have to regularly be willing to check the tech. You have to be willing to say, hey, can I see your emails? Can I see your Snapchats? Can I see your texts? Can I see your Instagram and, and things like that? And, and why is that? Well, I'll tell you why that is. It's because our world is changing. Amen? 
And therefore, the job description of a parent is also changing. And the good thing, the loving thing to do for people that we love and care about is to actually give counsel and good guardrails to their lives. It's not okay to just hope and pray that the people we love make it through this world unscathed. That can oftentimes be very explicit. We have to help create guardrails for all of us in our lives. Take a look at this in the Bible in Proverbs. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. I would suggest to you that creating guardrails, putting up some guardrails around technology is truly a way to guard your heart. We're not going to do it perfectly. Things are still going to get to our hearts and our minds and our souls that we really don't even want in there. But putting up some guardrails can help that happen. Help us sift things out. And I know as soon as we start talking about this and guardrails and, and, you know, checking things and that sort of thing, a lot of you, and especially, you know, parents are going, Todd, okay, here's the deal. Time out. That is so hard. I mean, as soon as I start creating those guardrails or suggesting those, you know, my, our students are bumping up against them. And it would, here's the thing, Todd, it would just be easier not to have them or, or, or let them create their own. Okay. Just let them create their own. And, and by the way, Todd, a lot of families, a lot of families we know aren't even talking about this. They don't even have guardrails at all and, and that sort of thing. And, and I would just say to you, I understand that. But we still have to have guardrails for the people we love in our lives, young or old. Take a look at what this says in Proverbs 29. Correct your children, and they'll be wise. Children out of control disgrace their mothers. We have to spend some time creating those guardrails, and if we'll do that, they'll bring freedom, and and they'll bring safety, and they'll bring blessings to our family. So the first guardrail is tech. Check the tech. The second guardrail is technology-free zones. Have some space in your life, whether you're young or old, that are just technology free so we can connect with others and spend time connecting with God. Let me share just a few of the tech-free zones that we've created in our family through the years. And again, you can copy these, make them your own, or tweak them however you want to. Uh, The first one is no technology in private rooms, like bedrooms for us. As my kids are growing up, they didn't TVs, computers, cell phones in their bedrooms. That was just out of bounds, only in public places. As they got a little bit older, if they were working on something for school, then they can have that computer in their room or something like that. But the door has to be open. It, it's not just door closed with technology. It's just that's just a, that's just a guardrail because I love these folks and I want to help them with that. Another place that we have a tech-free zone, still have this in our lives, is whenever we're eating together. So if we're having lunch together or dinner together, whether we're at our house or whether, yeah, okay, whether we're at our house or whether we're out somewhere else, uh, that, that's a tech-free zone, right? If you're out having coffee with some people, we want to be present with the people we're present with, right? We just, we just do. So that's a tech-free zone. And maybe you want something like that in your life as an individual with your friends or as parents with your kids and that sort of thing. Here's kind of a fun way to do it. If you've never done this before. Have you ever played the cell phone game? So like this weekend when you go out to lunch or maybe later on this week with your family, you're going out to eat or maybe you're just getting together with some friends this week to have coffee or something like that. And so you go out and you have lunch or you have coffee with five or six friends. Here's what you do. You say, okay, everybody, as we get set down, everybody take your cell phone and just put it in the center of the table. Put your cell phone in the center of the table. And then the deal is this, the first person to touch or check their cell phone has to pay for everyone else's meal or coffee, right? 
Let's just ask. It's kind of fun. It's just kind of a fun way uh, to do it. And if everybody makes it through the coffee or everybody makes it through the meal and nobody checks it, you know, and you get to the end, then everybody wins, you know, and you just, you know, you pay your own bill or dad pays for everything usually. Um, so that's, that's, you know, right, that, that, that's, kind of the way, that's kind of the way it goes, right? And, and so that's just, that's, that's a fun way uh, to do it. A- another thing, uh, another guardrail for us in our home is that uh, our kids' cell phones go to bed when they go to bed just the way it's always been. Their cell phone goes to bed when they go to bed. So when they were younger and had cell phones, like 7.30, 8 o'clock, they were going to bed, they would go to bed and their cell phone would go to bed plugged in in my wife and I's room. It's in there. They don't need that in the room. They get older, 10 o'clock, they're going to bed, 10.30, 11 o'clock, my kid's high school age, 11 o'clock, they go to bed and their cell phone still in high school is going in our room and going to bed. And here's why. Because it, we, we, it's because of love, these guardrails. You don't need that cell phone at midnight or 1 o'clock when people are sending Snapchats and things like that and text messages. This, nothing good is going on then. So when they go to bed, their cell phone goes to bed. And, and these are, these, listen, these guardrails, I think, are just, they make good sense and they're important in, in not only connecting us with others, but also connecting us with God. Because here's my belief. It's very difficult in our world to connect with God when we're also constantly connected to technology. It's just, it's very, very difficult. And, and could it be, Parkview, that one of the big plays of the devil these days, the evil one, is not just to make you all bad, it's just to make you really busy, to get you doing all kinds of things. I think one of the greatest hazards of this digital day that we're living in is just kind of haphazardly wasting time and doing things that don't really matter. And, and the Bible is very clear about that, that if you're a follower of Jesus, we shouldn't just be wasting our time. We should be leveraging our time for good things and, and for kingdom things and, and, and that sort of thing. In fact, take a look at this in the book of Ephesians. So be careful how you act. These are difficult days. Don't be fools, be wise, and make the most of every opportunity you have for doing good. Don't act thoughtlessly. But try and find out whatever the Lord wants you, to, wants you to do and whatever the Lord wants you to do, whatever the Lord wants you to. Sorry. Don't act thoughtlessly. And, and, and I, I, I'm sure I'm not alone in this. When I have my cell phone with me all the time, it's so easy for me when I have any open moment in my life to just kind of act thoughtlessly, you know, and just kind of be scrolling and seeing what are they doing and what are they doing and what do they like and do they like this and I think they like that and maybe I like that and, and you know, just, just kind of thoughtlessly squandering time. And listen, I, here's the thing. Those of you who know me, I, I love technology. We're fr- so many of us are friends online and talk online. I love technology and I'm not down on that, but here's what I'm saying. For every one of us, young and old, we need in our lives technology-free zones where we can connect with others and we can also connect with God. In, in the Bible, in the book of Psalms, it says, Be still and know that I am God. I really do believe that we need these moments that are tech-free where if, if God wants to, he can speak into our hearts. I, I, I'm not just scrolling and looking and occupying my mind thoughtlessly. I'm just saying, okay, for just a few minutes. It doesn't have to be for hours. Just a few minutes, God, that's just a way. And what do, you want, what do you want to speak to me? What do you want to say to my heart about other people? The, these kinds of things give us the ability to be still and connect with God and also with other people around us. Now, listen, I know, I know, I know. 
that as we talk about these kinds of things in church, we don't talk about these a lot of times. We don't mix theology and technology a lot in church. And when we do, today could be very convicting. This could be a convicting day for some of you, young and old, students and parents, because you could be sitting here right now thinking, well, Todd, okay, so here's the deal. I don't really have guardrails, and you're talking about guardrails. And, and, and guardrails sound really good. They sound like a good thing, and I don't have them. I've thought about guardrails, but I've never done guardrails, and I know there are people who do, but I don't. And, and you could get all wound up about what you have and what you don't have and, and that sort of thing, and it could easily like be a breakdown day for you. But here's what I want you to realize. I don't want this weekend to be a breakdown time for you. I want it to be a breakthrough time for you. I want us to realize that we can actually live and thrive in this world with our faith. So if you want to move from a breakdown, I can't believe that technology runs a lot of my life. If you want to move from a breakdown to a breakthrough in this world that we're living, here's how it's going to happen. Two more G's, the last two G's in our message, and that is this. you got to have some good goals. Everybody say good goals. you got to have good goals. Good goals will bring purpose and they'll bring focus to your family. There's just no doubt about it. It's not enough. It's not enough, friends, to just have guardrails to keep us safe and just be removed from the world. You can't just have guardrails that keep you safe. You also got to have good goals that allow you to leverage the technology of this world we live in for the sake of Jesus. Not just guardrails, but good goals. How many of you know that technology, like your phone, is amoral? It's amoral. You know what that means? It's like money is amoral. You can do good things with money, and you can do bad things with money. You can do good things with technology, and you can do bad things with technology. It just depends on how you use it. So the question is, how are we going to use it? How do we use the technology that we have in our lives, the cell phones that we have in our pockets. What are your goals for technology and social media? Let me share with you just a couple of the goals, again, that we have in our life and family. You can take these, make these your own, adopt these. Here's just a couple. The first one is this. Use technology to encourage. Use technology to encourage. This week, th this week, when, when you're getting ready to send out a, a text, a Snapchat, post something on Instagram or Facebook or something like that, here's what I'm going to ask every single person to do, okay? I'm just going to ask you to just commit to this one thing. Before you send anything out this week, here's what I want to ask you to do. Are you ready for this? Think. Okay? Just think. As you're getting ready to send this out to the world, young and old. And when I say think, here's what I'm thinking about when I think about the word think. And you may want to take a picture of this with your phone. When I say think, I'm thinking, you know, going down like this. I'm thinking the T, is it true? The H, is, is it helpful? Is it inspiring? What I'm getting ready to send out to everybody. Is it necessary? Right? Does everyone need to know that I just ate? Right? Or what I ate. Do, do, really, do they? Maybe they do. Maybe it's important. Maybe it was really, really good. It was really, really special. You know, it's kind of, it, it, maybe they do. So that, they're like, yeah, that passes the test. It was necessary. Is it kind? Is what I'm sending out kind to the world? Is it Think, is it true, helpful, inspiring, necessary, and kind as we send that out and begin to leverage the technology you have to inspire people? I think it goes right along with what Paul says in Philippians in the Bible. He says, okay, hey, listen, listen, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about, I'd say tweet about, post about such things. 
Put those things out in your life. Use technology. Use what we have access to to send out encouragement and inspiration to so many people in our lives. And here's the second thing I would say, and that is use technology to share your faith. Use technology to encourage people, but use technology to share your faith. Listen, I believe this. I just believe that the day and age that we're living in is one of the greatest eras in human history to be alive because of our connection and what is happening in our world with the message of Jesus. I just think it's an incredible time to be alive. And I think even some of the prophets of old in the Bible talk about days like this when God would be moving. Take a look at this in the Old Testament of Habakkuk, the prophet. He says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I'm going to do something in your day and age that you would not believe even if you were told. I think this world that we're living in is an incredible time for the message of Jesus to be going out into the world and all of its people. In fact, I think one day when we get to heaven, we may be sitting at the heavenly Starbucks coffee shop and somebody comes up to us and says, did you, did you, did you live in the 2019, 2020 time frame? You did? How was that? Was that incredible to see what was happening with the gospel during that time that you lived? Now, let me share with you some things that are going on right now. You're not going to see these on the evening news. But let me just share with you some things that are going on, largely because of the technological world that we live in. Did you know there's 170,000 people every day who hear the message of Jesus and accept Jesus into their life around the world? 170,000 people every single day. Did you know there's 10,000 new Christians every day, people who accept Jesus into their heart in South America, right down below us? Every day, you're not going to hear this on the news, 10,000 people a day are accepting Jesus, largely because of the message that they're getting from friends or family or other people from around the world. There's 20,000 new Christians every single day in Africa. At the turn of the century, Africa was like 3 or 4% Christian. It's headed towards a Christian nation. It's over half Christian now. There's 20,000 people every day in Africa accepting Jesus. And what about China, where Christianity is outlawed? There's 23,000 people a day accepting Jesus in China, where Christianity is actually outlawed, largely because of the connection that we have around the world. It's unbelievable. There's 60 to 80 million they estimate Christians in China. And it's happening in our world too. In the midst of this digital age which we live, where truth is hard to find, more and more of our friends are wanting to find truth because we're not sure what truth is. Did you know Gallup recently did a poll? And in this poll, it said that 53% of Americans say that they would join a church if they could just find the right one. If we could just find the right one, we would go. That blew my mind. So oftentimes I'm thinking, oh, you know, the people I be, I'm around, the people who are my neighbors, I'm, I'm not going to share my faith. I don't want to bother them. they got so much going on. But the truth of the matter is, one out of every two people that you meet at school, one out of every two people that you meet at work, they are looking for truth in the midst of the digital fog of this world. They want to know what's right. And, and one invitation, one, one invitation to that person, whether it's face-to-face -face or online, could completely change their eternal zip code. They may come. They may come to Parkview. They may come to a church. They may get to meet Jesus, and it may change their lives. I believe, I just, I so believe this is one of the greatest eras of all humanity to be alive. And it's largely because of the technology and just how 
we decide to use it. And I hope that today, this weekend, as we head into a new school year, a new semester, I hope that your perspective some of the world and, and what's going on in it and the technology has been changed a little bit. I hope it's been challenged some. I hope that your perspective of what God is doing in this world has been elevated and changed. Because your perspective and how you view what's going on in this world makes all the difference in how you actually live in this world this week. Let me share just one last thing, a true story about uh, the television station CNN. A lot of you know CNN, I'm sure. Uh, Several years back, they did a special uh, on the 50th anniversary of the Allied invasion of Normandy. And that's a battle that marked kind of the beginning of the end of World War II. And in this special they did, they interviewed a couple of guys who were soldiers during that Normandy invasion. And they're old men now. They were young men uh, during that war. And when they interviewed them, here's what these guys said. I think this is such an interesting study on perspective. The first guy they interviewed was an infantry soldier. And he said this, We landed on the beach, and I made my way through dead body after dead body. I saw my whole unit killed. I fought hand-to-hand combat, paying a high price for every foot of territory. And as I looked around me at all of the dead bodies, I fell to my knees in defeat. And I said to myself, there's no way we can ever win. The second person they interview is a reconnaissance pilot. And he says this, it was my job to fly over the entire area of the battle and then report back to the Allied command everything I could see from my aerial perspective. As I flew over the battlefield with every hour, I became more and more and more confident with what I saw. And I said to myself, there is no way we can lose. Listen, our world is changing. Its people are changing. Your schools are changing. Your workplace is changing. Our neighborhoods changing. It's just our world is changing. And I think a lot of times we can look at it and say, oh, man, it's just all changing. It's all just going terrible. It's all going south, you know, and how are we ever going to win? How's the gospel ever going to win? But what I want us to realize as we head out into a new week is, listen, that nothing happens in this world without God's knowledge and without God's control. Amen? It just doesn't. And I promise you, I promise, I promise, God is not looking down from heaven upon us this weekend surprised with our world. God is not looking down going, what? What is that? Because somebody informed me as to what this company is doing. This social media, I don't know how we're going to battle that. We're going to lose at that. No, no, I promise you. If we could see beyond our humanity and if we could see into the heavens right now, I think if we could see what's going on in heaven, heaven is looking down on us saying, oh my goodness, look at everything that's going on for the gospel. Look at how connected they are. There's no way we can lose. We are definitely going to win because look at what is going on in this world for the sake of Jesus. I think that's what heaven is screaming out at us right now. I really do. I really do. This is an incredible season of of humanity to be alive. And so I just want to encourage all of us to to realize that and to begin to leverage that in our lives. Here's the takeaway for us this weekend. Develop one guardrail and one goal to help you or your family navigate this constantly connected world. As you head out here this week, just one guardrail that will help keep you and your family safe from some of the things that are bouncing all around our world. And then one good goal, one way that you can leverage technology for the sake of of Jesus. It's exciting. Let's pray together. God, thanks for today. 
thanks for an opportunity we get to, to uh, carve out time to be at a place like this all around Chicagoland at all different places and campuses and we can sing and we can call out to you. And, and God, thank you for helping to maybe broaden our perspective on just the day and age in which we live. And, and God, I know the world sometimes can be so chaotic and it can certainly be uh, confusing and uh, a challenge, especially when it comes to technology. But God, I pray that you would help us move beyond some of the barriers and some of the bad things that we may see occurring. And I pray that you would help us leverage this connected world to help people see you more clearly, to help make you more famous, to make you look bigger and even more loved in our city and our world. God, thank you for these lives that you've given to us. Help us to use them to the very best of our potential for your sake and kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.